for the opportunity today to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for all of your kindness towards us, your goodness and mercy that is evident in our life every day, Lord. We pray that you would move and work in this time together, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would give us instruction and direction. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. My prayer this morning is that we would glean something from the word of God, both those that may be here live and in person today or those that may find this broadcast at some point on our Facebook live feed. But we've been going through the book of Acts for the last number of weeks. And so today we will pick up at Acts 9 and uh, verse number 32. We'll finish out Acts 9 this week. I've personally have greatly enjoyed our lessons on Acts, and if you've missed one, you can find those archived on our Facebook Live feed, and uh, you can go back and watch those, rewatch those if you've already seen, seen them. But it's been a great study in the book of Acts, and so I'm looking forward to what we have to discuss today. There is a reality that we have to understand as believers, as those that are striving to live in fellowship and communion with God, and that is all that are a part of the New Testament church, we have a responsibility of personal ministry. Now we've said this and talked about this uh, many, many times that, that often we think of ministry as being a pulpit ministry, someone that preaches or teaches that holds a microphone in their hand and stands in front of an audience of people, but ministry as given to us in uh, the Bible and particularly in the book of Acts is not one that is centered around a microphone or centered around a, an audience of people standing in front of uh, people teaching and preaching, but ministry is so much more than that. It is us uh, feeling a sense of responsibility to be involved and having a part in the kingdom of God. And there's many facets to that, many uh, elements of being involved in church or being involved in the kingdom of God. And we all have unique talents and Abilities. We all have our own giftings and personalities, and that's what makes the body of Christ and the kingdom of God so incredible, is that it's not just one shape or, or one mold that everyone has to fit in, but everyone can bring their unique talents and abilities, giftings and personalities to the kingdom of God, and God can use those things to, to help further uh, His work in the earth. And so there's people that you can touch and you can reach and you can affect that I can't reach, that I can't affect, that I have no impact upon their life or their their well-being. There are things that that you can bring to the, the table that that I can't bring to the table. Some people are very good at noticing uh, the needs of others and attending to those needs. Um, and some... Uh, their attention to detail is not not quite as uh, precise as what others are. And so you see that, that some are detail-oriented and some aren't. And those 
have their place and have their effect in the kingdom of God. Some can lead in song and worship, and others don't have any music uh, talents or abilities at all. I fit into that latter category. Some are very good at speaking uh, the right word at the right time, and it has a profound impact on people's lives. And then others, they don't have that ability at all. So we all have giftings and talents and abilities, but the, the point is that we, we have to feel this responsibility to be involved because God has called us to be involved. Too many times we have this mentality of just sitting on the sideline and just being an observer or being uh, a viewer, if you will. But God has called every one of us into, as they used to say, the Lord's army. There used to be a song about the Lord's army, but God has called us to be uh, in his army, to be in his kingdom, to be a part of it. And that's not to be uh, just a bystander, not just to be a viewer, not just to be an observer, uh, not to just be a taker, but God's called us to be a participator. God has called us to be a giver. God has called us to be active. If we're not careful, we can fall into this state uh, where we're stale and where we're stagnant and we're just kind of existing. But God has called us to be alive and to thrive in his kingdom, to be a partaker and to be a uh, participator, if you will. And so we have to feel this sense of responsibility to be involved. And when we feel this uh, responsibility of being involved, it will cause us to be active. It will cause us to become activated. It will cause us to become a, a giver. It will cause us to be someone that pours in. It will cause us to be someone that invests. And that's what God is calling us to do. And when we begin to see people and they begin to give, they begin to be active, they begin to be involved, they begin to be uh, participators, they they move out of that realm of, of dead and dry and stagnant and they move out of that place, you begin to see the church uh, develop energy and you begin to see the church develop momentum and you begin to see the church uh, begin to be active and, and move forward and you begin to see uh, uh, thriving, if you will. And that's because individuals feel this call, this sense of responsibility to be active and involved. And so we've been going through the book of Acts and you find those first apostles of Jesus, those first disciples, those followers, that, that they were never uh, stale. They were nev never stagnant. They were never uh, immobile, but they were always moving. They were always reaching. They were always looking for that next opportunity to do something for the kingdom. That next opportunity to be a witness, to be a testifier, to, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, if you will. And so every one of us has that same responsibility even today. And we have to ask ourselves certain questions. What can I do for the kingdom of God? How can God use me? What is it that, that, that needs my attention? What is it that needs my giftings and my abilities? Because God has given me something to do. And so we find that there is a uh, mentality, a trap that we can fall into where we just begin to live for the here and the now. And a lot of people in our 
society, our culture, the world that we live in, that's how they live their life. They live their life for just the moment, the here and the now. And the fact is, if we are living for now, then there will be drastically different ways that we can serve the Lord. And living for the here and now is not looking for that uh, internal investment. It's just how can I get by in this moment? How can I just uh, exist to get through this particular season? But we need to make investments in the future. We do that by uh, praying. We do that by worshiping. We do that by uh, having a frame of mind, a mentality of, uh, you know, I don't want to just be here and build this earthly kingdom, if you will, but I want to store up and lay treasures in heaven. I want to make eternal investments. I want to know and understand and realize that life is but a vapor and it's here today and gone tomorrow and that my soul will live somewhere uh, for all eternity, but not just my soul, but the souls of others, people around me. And I want to make internal investments in those around me. I want to have an impact on their life. I want to have an impact on their life. There is a book that is titled Franchising McChurch, Feeding Our Obsession with Easy Christianity because it's important that we, we think about the, the world, the church culture that is existing today and people are looking for that easy Christianity because we live in a world where our life is easy. We can go through the drive through We can go to the microwave. Uh, everything is quick. Everything is fast. Our world is built around convenience. And so this has affected and shaped and molded our actions, our reactions, our expectations, the way that we think about uh, how things should work and operate. And so that has also spilled over into the church. And a lot of people just won't drive by church. They want to show up at 10 and leave at 11. I remember several years ago I had an opportunity to go preach at a certain church. And this church, their services every single week was structured where they started at 10 and at 11 o'clock on the dot they dismissed. They sang two songs. They had uh, a 30-minute message and then they had about 10 minutes where they prayed and then service was over with but every week week in and week out this was the expectation and there was nothing that was ever out of the norm and so people had developed this mentality of I'll fly into church at 10 o'clock and I'll be out by 11 and we can be sitting at the table eating fried chicken and catfish at 11.30 and it was this mentality and nobody was doing anything beyond just that one hour window, that one hour box. No one was reaching or, or uh, their mind wasn't existing beyond that and that's easy Christianity. Too many people exist just in a one hour time frame on a Sunday morning. But we're called to be active and involved on Sunday and on Tuesday. And not just on Sunday, but and on Thursday. That God is wanting us to be his hands and feet every single day. And we see this in the life, in the example of the apostles. That their, their relationship with God wasn't uh, crammed into a one hour window in a week's time. It existed further than just that. It went beyond 
just that. So I want to read something from this book. The Bible, or not the Bible, but this book says, The shift from immediate gratification to an eternal perspective changes church on every level for the individual Christian. For example, you will no longer desire to be entertained as much as you will desire to learn more about the Word of God. You will no longer be as concerned about the slide in the children's play area as you will be about making sure your child is biblically literate. You will come to church to sing praises to your Lord and not to listen to your favorite style of music. And when the group on stage prevents you from singing, you will grow frustrated because you came to give and not just consume. You will no longer see the offering as a preacher's way of building his kingdom, but you will see the opportunity to give as a small token of gratitude for what you have been given. You will begin to pray that your own children may be missionaries in a developing country because all of a sudden the gospel becomes more important than a three-car garage. You will not desire to be a member of a church where only cool people attend. Instead, you will want to learn from your elders, care for the widows, and be father to the fatherless. Minister to the orphans and you will find fellowship among those who don't fall into your same economic or racial class. We oftentimes want to Maybe not the people in this particular audience, but you see people that they, they, that's what they want. They want to be entertained. Church has become a place of entertainment for them and for their children. But God is looking for those people that are hungry, that are sincere, that desire more than just entertainment. But they want to be participators in his kingdom. They want to be his hands and his feet and his voice. And they want to be givers. They want to give. They want to find what is it that I can do for the kingdom of God. It was here recently that Jennifer was having a conversation with an individual. And this individual asked the question, do they teach your children in Sunday school? Are they actually learning a lesson? Is there something that's actually uh, being instilled into them? And the answer was yes. We have uh, Sunday school lessons. We have children's church where we're actually teaching and instructing and, and they're learning songs and they're learning Bible lessons. And this individual found that to be uh, amazing because they said at their church that their children are just babysat. They're just put in a room in the back and they just play. They play with toys and that is the extent of uh their church involvement and their church reality. And I'm thankful that we have Sunday school teachers. And I'm thankful that we have leaders in the church that that teach and instruct and try to instill. And it's not just a place of entertainment. But this goes beyond just um, children. But this carries over into adults. Because you find that in the world... In the church world, the Western church world today, uh, many of us have seen it where they have uh, movie night at church where people dress up in their favorite uh, comic book character. They come to church and they watch uh, different uh, movies in the church house and they label this um, Christian. You know, this is Christian. And to me, that's being a spectator. That's uh, being uh, an entertainer and being involved in entertainment. But God has called us to walk into the depths of His Spirit. 
to be spiritually minded, to be involved spiritually, to be his hands and his feet. I know I keep going back to that, but that's what God has called us to do, to, to reach and to have an impact, to touch and leave a lasting uh, legacy and impact on people's lives. This is what effective ministry looks like, and every one of us has been called to be a minister in the kingdom of of God. So we're talking about Peter here this morning in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, and he is a great example of one that made himself available. He was a minister. He was one that was looking to do something for the kingdom of God. But he writes this in 2 Peter, the first chapter, 12 through 21, where he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things though you know them and be established in the present truth yea I think it meet as long as I am in the tabernacle to stir you up putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me moreover I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse number 18 says, in this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do dwell or do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is given of any private interpretation. That's a mouthful there, but Peter here is giving his audience some points or some lessons, some things that will keep them and sustain them. And we're talking about having an effective ministry. In verses 12 through 14, he says, I will put you in remembrance. In other words, I want to remind you. I want to bring to your attention some things. And so we've got to understand that before effective ministry takes place, there has to be a concern for the people. Peter was concerned enough here that he said, I I want to I want to remind you, I want to bring you into remembrance of some things. So if you're going to be an effective minister, if you're going to be effective in the kingdom of God and having an impact on others, you have to have a concern for people. A lot of people just don't have concern for other people. They're only concerned about themselves or those two or three that are connected to them in their family. But God's called us to be uh, concerned for others, for others, for others. You find this word others used in the New Testament. And it's, it's important that, that, we, that we have compassion and a love for others, a desire to, to have an impact on others, a desire to teach and, and, and preach and, and, and share the gospel with others. We have to be concerned. Verses 14 through 15 in this scripture text, Peter says, Shortly I must put off. Shortly I must put off. So we've got to understand that there must be an urgency in what ministry is taking place because Peter here knew that his death was not far off and he had to make the most of his time 
and not wasted. You find when you look at the disciples, the apostles, you find that there seemed to be this element of urgency in what they were doing. And a lot of this probably was because they had this mentality of the Lord is coming back quickly. And they believed that the Lord was going to come back in their lifetime. And I think that it would do well if we all had this mentality that the Lord is coming back in my lifetime. Because what this does is this pushes us and motivates us and it keeps us stirred that I've got to do something quick. There has to be an urgency about the way that I approach my life and my ministry and what God has called me to do so that I can impact the most people possible before he comes back. And I believe that this is part of why there was this sense of urgency not just in Peter's life but in the other apostles and disciples. In verse number 16 he says, he uses the phrase, eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter knew who Jesus Christ was. It was not just a mere passing intellectual knowledge of him, but Peter knew the Lord. He knew the Lord. If we're going to be effective in having a personal ministry that God has called us to have, and there has to be a personal experience. Every one of us has to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ himself. We have to have that personal experience of his spirit, his spirit being poured out upon us and working in us and through us. It is a personal experience. And verse number 21 says that he was moved on by the Holy Ghost. There was a personal revelation of who Jesus was. And this can also be noted of what Jesus said in Matthew 16 at the Mount of Transfiguration. It's all of these characteristics that must be implemented in our lives as we live towards service to the Lord because that's what we're trying to do is live towards service to the Lord, being a servant of Jesus Christ. Because of these characteristics in Peter's life, he would be the one who opened the door to the Gentiles. We know that Paul would be the one who would greatly advance this evangelism to this group of people. But however, Peter was the one that opened the door. He opened the door. And when we observe the life of Peter throughout the book of Acts, there are some things that we can note. In Acts 2, we note how he preached. In Acts 4, we note how he handled persecution. Acts 5, we note how he confronted sinning saints. And then Acts 9, where we're at today, we note how he has an effective personal ministry. It's Peter that understood the source of his power. I'm going to invite Brother BJ, if he will, to read Acts 9, 32 through 35 for us. Awesome. So we see that Luke inserts the word saints here in this account. And this word saint is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word kadash, 
which has a basic meaning of the setting aside of someone for special service. They are set apart for holy living and holy purposes. There is a noting of a group of people gathered together to form the church. It's the saints of the living God. And sometimes we have this mentality of a saint being someone that just merely attends church. But the word saint here in this setting is someone that is set apart for holy living and holy purposes. So we, every one of us has a purpose. God has created us on purpose and for a purpose. We have a purpose and it's our responsibility to pursue the purpose of God for us in our life. Every saint of God has been gifted for the health, the growth, and the well-being of the church. And we must understand that a saint is not some sort of supercharged Christian, but simply those who are in the church. We have been set apart for a purpose. And so we find here in this scripture text in Acts 9 that the location to where Peter was called was Lydda. The town was about 10 miles southeast of Joppa. This was a very crucial geographical location as it served as a major intersection of roads from Egypt to Syria. With this being the case, there was a lot of travelers who came and went through this town for various reasons. And I find it interesting that a lot of times you find uh, Peter and you find Paul and you find these first evangelists, if you will, that they were always in well-populated areas where there were a lot of people. And I don't believe that this was on accident, but God uh, drew them to these places so that they could have an impact on as many people as possible, so that as many people as possible could see the work of the Spirit in their life and what God was trying to do. So we find that there was this servant, help me with the pronunciation, Eliezer, it was one of Abraham's uh, servants, that he was sent to find Rebekah. And there's a key phrase that's found in the explanation to Rebekah as to why he was on the mission to find her. Genesis 24 and 27 says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. I being in the way. One of the keys to being effective in our ministry that God has called us to, being effective in our purpose that God has put us in our life, is to being present, being present, being where God wants us to be at. Sometimes we can miss the things that God has for us simply because we're not willing to go, simply because we're not willing to to be there, simply because we're not willing to be present. But God has called us to be present. And so you find here that in Acts the ninth chapter that Peter is having an impact upon people's lives because he was present, because he was there, because he was willing to, to go. Somebody has to get up and they have to go. Someone has to get up and be present. Someone has to be there. And that's what God has called us to be. 
is to be present, to be there, to be where he wants us to be at. He noted, going back to the example in Genesis, he noted the Lord had led him, but it is also great importance that Eliezer was in the way. If God and his work is the priority in our life, there will be an availability to do what God needs us to do. There has to be an availability there. Too many people keep themselves closed off and they have the door shut. But God has called us to make ourselves available. God, what can I do? God, what do you need of me? God, what is it that I can do? How can I be a blessing? What is it that that needs to be done that I can do? How can I play a part in this? What is it that I can do? And too many people keep the door closed. They don't want to have that conversation with God because it may require something of them. And too many people are not willing to give something to the kingdom of God or to the house of God, even to their local church. But every one of us has a part to play. Every one of us has a part to play. We're not merely called to just exist or just to survive or to exist from one wave to the next. I want to ride this wave and jump over to the next wave and jump over to the next wave. I want... We're called to to live for God in between Sunday and Wednesday. In between Wednesday and Sunday. Even on the Mondays and the Tuesdays. Even on the Thursdays, the Fridays and Saturdays. God wants us to live for Him. To have a relationship with Him. To make ourselves available. To find ourselves, as in Genesis said, find ourselves in the way. To be there. to, to, To be there to to. Fulfill the purpose and the calling of God. So, I'm going to invite Brother Phillips, if you're in the book of Acts, in the ninth chapter, if you will, read verses 36. Uh, 43. We'll just finish it out. So we find here in Acts 9 the scripture verses that Brother PJ, Pastor Phillips read this morning and the text that we're talking about here at the end of Acts 
9 is you find that Peter has these two incredible miraculous events that, that happens where God uses him. And you have this man that was uh, sick of palsy. He was lame. And God uses him to heal this man. And then you find also this lady that she, Tabitha, that she is dead. She's passed away. And God uses Peter to raise this woman from the dead. And so I told Brother BJ and Pastor Phillips that if this lesson was to be summed up in uh, three words, it would be this, making yourself available. Making yourself available. And that's the whole point. Every one of us in our life, we have to make ourselves available. And this is what Peter did. He made himself available. There's a lot of things that Peter probably could have been doing in his life. A lot of places he could have been. Uh, a lot of other things he could have been involved in. But you find that the work of God was a priority for Peter. You find that uh, the kingdom of God was a prior priority for Peter. And Peter made himself available. He was uh, prayerful and he was fruitful. Peter was available, he was prayerful, and he was fruitful. And what I love about this scripture text is, what I love about this scripture text is that when this lady, Tabitha, was raised from the dead, that it was, the Bible says in verse number 42, that it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So there were many people that were converted, that their lives were touched and affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ simply because Peter made himself available and he was willing to walk in the Spirit and to operate in the Spirit and let the Spirit move and work through him in his life. So this morning as I get ready to close, I challenge us, each and every one of us, whether you're here in person or you're viewing online, either live or at some later time, Make yourself available for the things of God. Make yourself available for the kingdom of God. Ask God, what is it that I can do? The talents, the abilities, my personality, the things that you have given to me, how can I use those for your service? How can I be your hands? How can I be your feet? How can I be your voice? I would say the best place to start is to start by showing up by being present, by making yourself available, having the mindset, what is it that I can give? Be more than just a taker, but be a giver. Be more than someone that holds up their cup and lets someone else pour in it, but you pick up the pitcher and you pour into someone else. I believe that this is the example that, that Peter gave to us, that Paul gave to us, that the other apostles gave to us, John and all the others, was that they were givers, that they were seekers. What is it that I can do for God? They made themselves available. I want to do something for God. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. And it, was, it surpassed more than a microphone. It wasn't, it wasn't built upon a microphone, but no, it was just their daily walk, their daily life. What is it that I can do for the kingdom of God? Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have given to us. 
what you have shown us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to make ourselves available. Help us to be servants. Help us to be givers and not just takers. Help us to be participators and not just spectators, Lord. I pray that you would help us to show up, to be present, and to give. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.